0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, folks, the MAGA March took place in Washington, D.C. this past weekend. It was a big show of support for President Donald Trump's campaign as the president's team is launching a number of... Of legal challenges about election irregularities across the country. Thousands of supporters gathered in Washington DC where they were met and attacked by anti-Trump protesters. Oh Now, here to break down what happened at the march and what's happening around the country is Turning Point Chief Creative Officer, Benny Johnson. Benny, so good to have you with us today. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Eric.
0: So, Benny, you were at the march. Yes. You were there with your family. Tell us, what what was it like there?
1: Yes. So, as you watch these images of conservatives getting attacked in the street, Yeah. You need to separate yourself from party. Separate yourself from preference. Did you vote for Biden, vote for Trump? I don't care, really. Ask yourself, do you want to be on the side of the party that attacks elderly women, that attacks families, that attacks elderly men, that attacks children? You can see it in the clips right there that you played. You have little children being attacked. You have the elderly being savaged in the street. And egregiously and demonstrable evil being presented towards a political point of view, that's the vector of attacking, yeah. right? They're attacking someone for their political beliefs, a belief system, it should be a hate crime. Um, do you want to be on the side of that? And that is, I think, a larger moral question for America. It's a question that I asked my family uh, when we were at the march. Mm-hmm. We went to the march, I went with my wife, I went with my little yeah. daughter, and when you walked toward the march, which the march was empirically peaceful, there were nearly a million people there. I don't know what the exact final number was, but I can tell you I've lived in DC for 15 years. I have never seen a march this big. Maybe the march for life, but that's it. That happens yeah. once a year. This is wild for it to just sort of a grassroots spring up to get a million people here. When you walked the march, you saw an empirically peaceful march, and then you saw black bloc members, mm. a paramilitary force Antifa, gathering on the fringes, mm. waiting for night and waiting for night to attack and MAGA people who are wandering the streets. Again, domestic terrorists who are waiting to attack people like my family. And so I had asked myself, how do I protect my wife and kids? We left, we went home. um, And I think a lot of other people did. Those who didn't uh, were savagely attacked. And I think it just generally begs the question, which side do you wanna be on? And most importantly, if your side marches during the day, or your side marches during the night, which one do you think is the peaceful protest?
0: Yeah. yeah, and you know, Benny, one of the things that's that's striking too, I think a lot of people watch this, and what's really disturbing about it is that there's almost this normalization of political violence from the left. We saw it all through the course of the summer. We had looting, you had riots, you had arson in my home state of Missouri, you had peace, peaceful people engaged in prayer who were violently assaulted, attacked by Antifa activists, and the reaction from the mainstream media was often to pretend it wasn't happening, to call it peaceful protests, or to try to excuse it. What do you think is happening as the media watches this
1: violence? Uh, uh, There is no other way to say it. The media is complicit. Mm. The media is complicit in the violence because as someone who has done media for the last 15 years at uh, half a dozen different digital news sites, I can tell you silence is literally violence. So when you don't refuse to cover something, it's as much as saying that you endorse it or agree with it. So when someone, when the most newsworthy story on all social media is leftists, Antifa, savages, domestic terrorists attacking innocent families, women, children, and elderly, Trump supporters. And when you refuse to cover the most newsworthy story in the country, then you are endorsing the terrorism. You are endorsing those actions, Uh, and so uh, those who don't call out the mob endorse the mob, uh, especially when it comes to situations that are the most prescient in the country you know, when it comes to a situation like this last Saturday where this was all anyone was talking about. But you couldn't find me a single blue check mark that could go, that went out and 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 called out this demonstrable acts, this terrorism yeah. by the far left. Why? Because it doesn't fit a narrative. So it doesn't fit the narrative and it's just cowardly and it's despicable.
0: Yeah, and Benny, share with our viewers, you know, who who are around the country. Many of them probably wish that they could have been at the march, but but, but couldn't. Um, What was the feeling in the crowd? Because you mentioned, like, you went out there and we talked ahead of time. You said there was a great feeling of patriotism and energy in the crowd, Mm -hmm. but also it was clearly intimidation. Right? You had antifa people who were out there trying to intimidate, who saved most of their attacks for the evening, but I think that a lot of people might have chosen to stay at home. You know you mentioned you had to take your your young family home early to make sure that you were you were protecting them. What was the feeling of people in the crowd? Did they feel like this was courageous just to show up at a place where they might be intimidated mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and it also was a great feeling of practicing our First Amendment rights. And the yes. First Amendment, right up near the top, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion, people know these, but you read down the next sentence, it says, the ability to gather and mm. redress your government yes. grievances. Yes. And that's precisely what was going on. Mm. There were a group of people representing 73 million Americans who do think that there's something up with this election, yeah. and they have a grievance. Uh, we are still waiting to see what the results of this election is, uh, but you have grievances and you have a constitutional right, a right up number one, the First Amendment to redress your government to gather and to bring your grievances to the government and that's precisely what happened. Now, shockingly, not a single building burned down by Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. not a single police officer assaulted mm-hmm. by Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. not a single, member of the far left wa- was, you know, surrounded and beaten. You don't have these types of looting at uh, shoe stores and iPhone stores looted and yeah. burned to the ground. This happened over the summer multiple times in Washington, D.C. with the BLM and Antifa uh, riots. And so you have this incredible difference and energy inside of these marches. This is a march that held American flag high that were a very po- it had a very positive message and a very constitutionally grounded message. It's our right to redress our government and to have grievances with the processes of our government. And our founders were genius for putting that right up near the very top because they predicted this is pr- this is what's going to happen in a representative republic people are gonna get pissed and they're gonna be upset and they need the ability to voice those concerns. And so America's voice uh, was certainly on display in Washington, D.C.
0: Yeah. And, and Benny, let's talk about that. Let's just step back for a moment. I want to get your, your historical perspective here. I mean, you've always been a big defender of the Constitution, as many of us are. And we've seen these basic constitutional rights, First Amendment rights under assault. You've got a lot of big tech, which has come in, and especially in the last couple of weeks, they're not even pretending anymore. They are going in and censoring points of view that they don't like. And now you have activists who are are trying to prevent people from exercising their constitutional rights to actually gather and to peacefully assemble. In the 45 seconds or so that we have left, talk to our viewers about what you think is at stake right now at this moment in history.
1: Yeah, I think it boils down to freedom versus slavery. Mm. Uh, America's generally been on the side of freedom for our 250-year history and has fought around the world uh, in clandestine uh, and otherwise international operations to protect freedom for hundreds of millions of people around the globe. And now it's time for us to protect freedom here. Uh, We also Mm -hmm. defended freedom and then freed slaves in our own country. Um, And so this is a long American tradition of fighting for freedom over slavery. However, if you talk to someone from Venezuela or Cuba, they'll tell you that socialism is slavery indeed. And so when you have the other side stating empirically that they are going to open our borders grant amnesty to 20 to 30 million illegals in this country. They're going to gut the way that we do business, gut our energy sector. Uh, They're going to institute literal socialist policies. You have a socialist wing of the Democratic Party. It for, is you know, the battle yes. for the soul of the country.
0: Yeah, indeed. yeah. well, yeah. Benny, we appreciate you, you joining us uh, here, folks. That's Benny Johnson, Turning Point Chief Creative Officer, who was there himself. We promised you we'd always bring you perspectives from people who have their boots on the ground. He did. Stay with us.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available...
0: Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Folks, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer's administration once again ordered high schools and colleges to halt in-person classes. She's closed restaurants to indoor dining and suspended organized sports, including the football playoffs. Now under Whitmer's order, indoor and outdoor residential gatherings are restricted, many entertainment facilities are closed, and gyms are banned from hosting group exercise classes. This latest round of restrictions are set to last at least three weeks, and Whitmer, who has taken away the basic freedoms of Michigan citizens, says she won't be bullied by the Trump administration. But there is a legal challenge from her own citizens that may derail her efforts. To discuss this more, I'd like to welcome in senior Breitbart reporter Kyle Olson. He's also the host of the Kyle Olson radio show in Michigan. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. Tell, tell our viewers, please, around the country, who, who might not be experiencing this in Michigan, tell our viewers around the country exactly what the governor is doing with these new restrictions, taking away people's freedoms in Michigan right now.
3: Well, I think you gave a very good synopsis of of the changes, sort of the rollback that she's done in the state. And um, what's curious about it, though, is that the Michigan uh, Department of Health and Human Services is the one that's actually issuing all of these mandates and and orders. But if you go back to early October, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled that uh, Gretchen Whitmer didn't have the authority. Um, didn't have the statutory or, or constitutional authority to issue all of these nearly 200 executive orders that she, had, that she had ordered prior to that. So once that was ruled unconstitutional, all of those orders, literally a couple hours later she, she uh, authorized some of the very same rules and mandates through the Department of Health and Human Services. Now, so far, legislative Republicans have not challenged those. They've not tried to say, you don't have the authority to do that. And so now, as you said, we are rolling back. Um, A lot of the people that I've talked to and that I've seen, you know, on social media, people are basically saying if the masks are working and the social distancing is working and the caps on, you know, numbers of people that we can have in events and all of that sort of thing, then why are we going backwards?
0: Yeah. And and Kyle, specifically, you know, one of the things that you've also got got a story out right now about some Republicans in Michigan saying, hey, we're going to take action. And they, as I understand it, are actually moving to impeach the governor for, in part, taking away people's constitutional freedoms without due process.
3: Right. This has been sort of uh, kind of bubbling under the surface. There have been a lot of people who have said, you know, we want the legislature to impeach the governor the process is very similar to the federal government where it starts in the house of representatives there's a you know they they pass the impeachment articles it goes to the senate for a trial two-thirds of senators would, would need to vote for it that would involve um three or four of the 16 democrat state senators to you know switch over and vote for that which i think is sort of hard to conceive but there is, I think, and people are the, the state representatives who are pushing this are saying there is a litany of reasons. Um, uh, Governor Whitmer had a health, uh, a nursing home policy very similar to what um, Andrew Cuomo had in New York, where so many elderly residents of nursing homes died um, because they had younger people going into nursing homes to recuperate who had the virus. Um, they she's issued all of these unconstitutional executive orders. There are several reasons they're saying that she should be impeached. So uh, right now they're on hunting break. Uh, The following week, of course, is Thanksgiving. So they're expecting this to get going in early December or possibly in the new legislative session in January.
0: Now, Kyle, I also know that, that you are also a host of the Kyle Olson radio show. So you are not just talking to friends and neighbors, but you're actually talking to people around the state of Michigan on a regular basis. What are they saying to you about this latest effort to take away people's freedom in Michigan?
3: Well, a lot of people are frustrated, and I think they're frustrated, um, well, one, because of the election, and not just that that Trump, it doesn't appear that he won Michigan, mm-hmm. but all of the shenanigans that went on in Detroit, and a, and a real frustration that legislative Republicans aren't doing anything to try and get to the bottom of that mm. but when the when the governor came out with her announcement last night the Senate Majority Leader that the, both the House and the Senate are controlled by Republicans the Senate Majority Leader came out and said that he was disappointed which you know doesn't really get you anywhere um, and then the the House Speaker also had similar words. And, uh, and it was really interesting because the House Republican caucus posted the speaker's um, statement on Facebook, and there were over 300 comments, basically from people saying, why aren't you doing something? This governor is acting unconstitutionally, she's abusing her power, et cetera. Why isn't the legislature doing anything about this? So we'll have to see if, if there is an impeachment effort and if that is their response.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we're certainly hearing from people around the country a, a tremendous amount of frustration, especially when they see what they view as hypocrisy. Um, you know, a lot of liberal, leftist, Democratic politicians saying one thing about how people can't even have you know a certain number of people in their home for Thanksgiving and yet going out to dinners, hosting parties uh, themselves. Kyle, I want to I shift gears just, to, just a bit back to the election. Um, One of the things that we've reported here at Just the News is that there has been a a number of people who have come forward with signed affidavits talking about alleged widespread fraud in Michigan. From your perspective there on the ground in Michigan, what's the status of those investigations and what can you tell our viewers around the country about what's happening right now with the election in Michigan?
3: Well, it really has to be unprecedented. When you have over 100 observers file affidavits about what they saw, and they're really, I mean, a lot of them are just horror stories about not being able to to watch the counting, You know, ballots showing up in the middle of the night. Um, There was one individual who said that uh, ballots were being counted as many as eight times. And so you'd have a stack of 50 ballots and a worker would be putting them through the machine They would get jammed. So they'd take the ballots out of the machine, but they wouldn't reset it back to zero. Mm. They would just put the ballots through the machine again. And so suddenly 50 ballots would turn into 400. And so the Trump campaign has filed a federal lawsuit in the Western District of Michigan. And an organization called the Great Lakes Justice Center has filed suit in Wayne County. A Wayne County judge sided with the city of Detroit and against uh against the party and and the the great lakes justice center they are filing an an emergency appeal to try and uh have another judge hear that um but this this process i think is going to continue to go on because if you read these affidavits if you talk to these individuals who were in the room who were trying to watch but were being blocked by pizza boxes being put over the windows um, those sorts of things cannot stand and, and the people I've talked to and the president has said it's not just about this election. it's yeah. about future elections and making sure that the integrity of future elections um, that's what's at stake.
0: Yeah well you know I mean one of the things that is compelling about this is I know you've done a lot of reporting on this. The team at just com has. You can go out and you can actually read some of these affidavits yourself, and I encourage our viewers to do so. You can hear yourself from people. Some of them have been you know, city government employees for dozens of years who are signing their name, putting their livelihood at risk, saying that they saw fraud on the ground. That's gotta be a concern to people in Michigan. I know it's a concern to a lot of our viewers, Uh, around the country. Kyle, just in the last uh, few minutes that we have left, for our viewers around the country who are watching what's happening in Michigan, can you give us a sense for the timeline? What's likely to happen this week with the legal actions uh, related to the election?
3: Well, of course, I mean, there is sort of a a time crunch. Um, You know, early December is where, you know, the, the vote needs to be certified and then it goes to the electors and all of that. Um, But it seems to me, I I talked to Hogan Gidley uh, last week from the Trump campaign on on my radio show, and I said, you know, what is what is the timeline? And it didn't seem to me like they really had one, because it seemed to me like they really want to get to the bottom of is there corruption? Is there uh, you know bad actors doing bad things in in Detroit or wherever it may be? Um, But what I found disturbing in all of this is that Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson through my reporting, I've asked her office three Mm -hmm. times, you have this, you know, 100 plus affidavits, people swearing um, under penalty of perjury, are you going to investigate this? They won't answer that question. they won't
0: even answer the question, wow. Well, Kyle, we we very much uh, appreciate you joining our viewers to give everybody an update on what's happening in Michigan. Again, folks, if you wanna read Kyle's story, you can find him at Breitbart.com. And if you're in Michigan, he's host of the Kyle Olson radio show. We'll be back in just a minute.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. And start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should
1: be.
0: Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Our team here at Real America's Voice has outstanding people stationed from coast to coast. And today we're gonna stop in Michigan where the host of America's Voice Live, Tudor Dixon is standing by. Tudor, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. You you know, Tudor, you and I have been talking about the media's treatment of the Trump campaign for a while. And we've got a clip that I want to play for you and get your reaction to. Have a listen here
4: the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th oh, okay, Amendment on. So of the Aaron, Constitution. Aaron, hold on, let me ask no,
0: you a question. Say, what, well, no, no, you uh, you've talk finish. more than I have, Erin. Erin, no, no, answer no, the, the question ridiculous. and then you get to talk. The question is I this. I did answer, what do you, you want to have, ha- the first Aaron? time. what do you want to
4: have happen with those 700,000 votes? The ballots are already mixed in. Do you just That's want
0: 700,000
4: votes deducted from Biden's total? We want to make sure that conversation happens. You're trying to say this is done and over. The I'm not. Is I'm, say a, this I'm is not done saying not done and over. I'm but asking you where here, you're going the to find pa- the votes to pull ahead. Where are the votes to pull ahead? forward... The, the, this is now my third time to try to get this answer out. The legal path ahead exists here because there are clear constitutional violations that enhance. Keep snarking, okay, you know, so, making so your what faces happens? and rolling Aaron, your Aaron, eyes, Aaron, Leland. I get it. I get ha- Aaron, it. You guys spent years you're not trying to run up a Russia hoax against the, very, the president. It's very simple. i trying what to say happens? this is over. How does the president... And the hypocrisy continues because you know what? How Hillary does Clinton the president said, said, Don't concede to Joe Biden. What do you want now to everybody wants to say that this is over for us.
0: Well, Tudor, that was Aaron Perini on Trump's campaign, trying to get a message across on Fox's past weekend. What, what do you make of that?
4: Well, this is the decision that Fox has made to go forward with attacking the Trump campaign. Now they want to come out and say that the Trump campaign has no path forward. We've talked about this several times on America's Voice Live, this idea that these, these claims are baseless but they won't even let you say what the claims are. They won't even let the campaign come forward and talk. And in the past, this was a, a channel that was safe for the Trump campaign. And this is not this is not easy for the Trump campaign. There are not safe channels for the Trump campaign.
0: Yeah, and, and you know one of the things that we've talked about here, Tudor, is that like there is a case. Now, it needs to be fully investigated, but the idea that the mainstream media keeps saying that there's no evidence, I mean, we've reported here signed affidavits, some of them from from your home state of Michigan, where people have come out and said, people who've been city government workers for decades have said that they personally witnessed widespread fraud. They are signing their name under oath, saying that they have seen this, not just in one or two cases, but instances of widespread fraud. There's clearly evidence, again, all needs to be investigated, but the idea that the mainstream media won't even let the Trump campaign say what the evidence is. I have to imagine, especially in a place like Michigan, that's gotta be frustrating to a lot of citizens there.
4: It's extremely frustrating. This has traditionally been a blue state, but, what we're seeing more and more of, even the New York Times is coming out and saying, this is a situation now where you have these, these blue-collar workers who are saying, we're now going to support the president. We're now going to support Republicans because Republicans are the ones that are actually working for us. Mm. So the folks in Michigan are very upset that they think that their vote hasn't counted, but it's not even something that you're allowed to talk about on the mainstream media. And that's why we have, as a, a network said, okay, listen, we're going to explore this stuff. We're going to talk about whether or not these claims are actually legitimate and what could possibly be happening we'll have the experts on we'll talk about the, we'll talk to the people who were there and saw this and we'll be honest about this i don't know why the big cover-up i don't know why we're in such a rush to say the election has already been decided when we still have time left
0: yeah, there's, there's not only time, but I also think there's a real desire on the part of tens of millions of Americans to just understand why there are all of these erection, election irregularities, why it is that you have hundreds of people coming out signing affidavits saying that they saw fraud. And I think that for the good of the Republic, like we just have to get behind this so that people can have confidence in the integrity uh, of our elections. Now, you know, one, one other thing I wanna get your, your thoughts on, Tudor. just switching gears here for a bit, uh, your governor, Uh, Gretchen Whitmer has once again enacted some really draconian uh, restrictions. You know, no restaurants, no school sports, no gym classes. All of this taking away the basic freedoms of your fellow citizens there in Michigan. My understanding is she said it's going to last for at least three weeks. Uh, what's, What's your reaction and the reaction of other folks in Michigan?
4: Well, restaurants right now, they're saying this this is the final nail in the coffin for restaurants in Michigan because there's no indoor dining for three weeks. This is the holiday season. They can't have anybody in. Everybody is going out shopping right now. Now, retail is open. So you would think this is a big time for all of those restaurants to make up that money that they didn't get in the spring. So they have this huge opportunity for all those people that are out shopping late at night. Then they want to go out to eat because they don't want to go home and make dinner. But they can't do that in Michigan. That's not going to be the case. Now, a lot of people were saying, well, what's the science behind shutting down high schools but not shutting down middle and elementary schools there was a lot of question behind that now the the chief medical examiner came out and she said well high schools are 46% of our cases but i find that in and of itself interesting because if if more almost half of your cases nearly half of your cases are high school students we know that they're going to get well right this is not something we should we really be shutting down the entire state for a bunch of teenagers who are probably only going to have this for a few days We don't see teenagers in the hospitals. Now, we do have some of the hospitals that are getting filled, but I haven't seen any type of order from the governor as to what she's going to do about that. Is she sending medical staff to these hospitals? We haven't heard that. We have our hospital in my town who, and, and they're saying, the nurses there are saying, we don't have the staff. But what does shutting down restaurants and, and gym classes have to do with getting the staff necessary in these hospitals? Now, you could say, well, people are getting it from hospitals or from restaurants, and that's where we need to stop it. But again, where is your freedom here? There is there is a point when you have freedoms, and the Supreme Court in Michigan said the Michigan Michiganders have freedoms, and the governor doesn't get to take them away. And how are we here again?
0: Yeah, well, I think there's certainly a lot of frustration building. It's building around the country. Um, some of it is rooted in the hypocrisy that people are seeing. They're seeing politicians who are taking away their freedoms, even going so far as to tell people that they shouldn't have their f- whole family at home over Thanksgiving, and yet they're going out to dinner uh, with their friends. I think that hypocrisy is really starting to frustrate uh, a lot of Americans. And I have to imagine in Michigan, again, where you have have, you know the election that's just happened people who are our viewers are telling us that they want to dig into these election irregularities and they want to know if you are going to make an argument to take away somebody's constitutional freedoms then you better have the science really clear you better be able to make a really clear and compelling case and my sense is that that case hasn't come is that is that true in, in Michigan that you guys just aren't the part of the frustration is that people are saying like how does this science makes sense
4: if the case is there and i'm not saying that the case is not there perhaps the case is there perhaps the evidence is there but that's not what the governor comes out and tells us and so we have this legislature that says we don't agree with her but they're also not telling us why and so there's a lot of communication problem here with this virus and i think Part of it really is that these people don't know. Nobody knows why it's spreading. We definitely have more cases coming here to Michigan. That is a huge problem. There definitely needs to be something done about that. But there doesn't seem to be an understanding. Even in the Democrat Party, we see the Democrat Party talking about We can't shut down or we have to shut down. We have to be careful. We have to wear masks. And then you have Nancy Pelosi who throws a dinner for all the incoming members. And then you have Chelsea Clinton who comes out and says, Nancy Pelosi, stop this. You can't have this. Then the dinner gets canceled. These are are bizarre happenings right now within their party that they don't seem to understand. They're arguing within their party on Twitter, and then things are changing based on discussions, the open discussions that are being had in front of the American people on Twitter, which... On one hand, I appreciate the fact that the American people get to hear this. On the other hand, it's embarrassing to think that you don't know what your own party should go forward with and how you should decide medical issues and and how you move forward with coronavirus when we've been talking about it since March.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration at the inability of politicians who are taking away people's basic freedoms, taking away their ability to send their kids to school, to go to a playground, to even come out and articulate that case. And, you know, one of the things that I found, I'm sure you have, is that people really appreciate that here at Real America's Voice, we respect people's intelligence. Uh, We are bringing people the evidence, we are talking to experts, and we're letting people make up their minds uh, for themselves. We know that that's what you're doing uh, every day as well, Tudor. We appreciate you bringing us this perspective uh, from Michigan today. We know that we'll be checking in with you throughout the week. And folks, we'll be right back with more on actionable intelligence. Stay right with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, as you know, here at Real America's Voice, we have an outstanding team that is always out there working for you. We have a team right now between Real America's Voice and just the news of 30 reporters and investigators who are digging in to election irregularities around the country. We also have an outstanding team of commentators and contributors here at Real America's Voice who are willing to go to the front lines. And right now, joining me in studio is Real America's Voice contributor, Amanda Head. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Hi,
2: Eric. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Amanda, you were here in Washington, D.C. this weekend for the MAGA Marvel. Please let our viewers know, what did you see out there this weekend?
2: I mean, I saw a lot of joy and unity. I saw faces of people, you know, beaming with pride over President Trump. I think that a lot of them don't really think that this is the end. A lot Mm -hmm. of them, and, and you know, you could take that one of a couple different ways. I think some people are there because they don't think it's the end because they know how long-lasting the MAGA movement is. So some of them feel like even if President Trump doesn't pull through this legal process, that that America first, that nationalist mentality that President Trump basically reinvigorated within the Republican mm. Party is not going away. And then of course there are those people there who think that this is definitely not the end, whether whether President Trump's route to the Oval Office is through fraud cases, through recounts and audits, through state legislatures, um, through the Supreme Court, possibly. There were plenty of those people there, too. But it was it was mostly peaceful during the day. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah, no, and we, we've heard that from, from other folks who were there. In fact, earlier on this program, people said, you know, they took their young families out yeah. and it was peaceful during the day. They also mentioned, though, that they saw a lot of Antifa activists and others who came out to intimidate people during the day. Mm-hmm. And we all saw that footage of Antifa activists actually attacking people in the evening. Yes. Did you see them out there? Did you sense that? drive to intimidate from the left.
2: Yeah, I, I can attest to one person who I actually know two people. Uh one of them who stuck around and one of them uh who who left the route, but I didn't see any at the initial meeting location, which as you know was Freedom yes. Plaza, and it's what 12 or 14 block walk from there to the Supreme Court on our way as I was walking with my cameraman trying to interview people. I did see a couple hecklers on the side who were yelling things at us like, Trump lost, get over it, things like that. Um, And they did appear to fit the mold of the Antifa type look. Um, I don't know if that was their particular affiliation, but I saw a few, it it definitely was not until sundown that the violence began to ensue. And and I've seen a lot of news flying across social media, and I know we're gonna talk about the media in a minute. who were trying to say that it was coming from both sides. And I I am not one of those people who's going to make a blanket statement and say that everybody on this side is great and everybody on that side is great. Every team has their bad fans. However, if you are a critically thinking individual and you look at the schedule of the day and you look at the timeline and the things that happened and then you see, okay, well, right about this mark at like five thirty, six o'clock is when other people started showing up, and mm. that's when the violence began. And it's kind of hard to parse those two things out exclusively uh, for someone, again, who I think thinks critically. You have to see the the relationship between the two.
0: Well, let, let's pick up on that and talk about the media uh, for a minute, because one of the things that the media has been pushing from the very beginning is that it's the media's job to call. This election, the right. president and his team have been very clear that they're continuing to fight. It sounds like a lot of folks who were out there this past weekend—they're continuing to fight. Yeah. What do you make of the media's insistence that it's their right to call the election?
2: Well, we knew that this was coming. New York Times published an article saying that it falls to the news media to call the election, uh, that in fact is not true. Literally, the only purpose they serve is aggregating the numbers that are reported to them from the states. They have no place in our legal process of calling an election. But what we are seeing is that the mainstream media, there there is this blackout as far as, mm. as fraud cases. I was just texting with a best friend of mine who is a writer in Hollywood, and he, he knew that I was here at this rally, and he said, you know, how many people were there? I know you were there, and I said, You know, look, I don't know if it was a million people. I think it was, but it's pretty humorous how the mainstream media is downplaying it. And he said that the largest number he saw reported by the mainstream media was 30,000. And I know for a fact that there were many more than 30,000 people. But even if you, you know, going into the, the election issues with fraud and things like that, Thousands of people who have signed sworn affidavits sworn under affidavits. penalty of perjury, yes. fear of imprisonment, who have said, yes, I know of this, yes, I witness this, tampering of ballots, throwing away of ballots, creation of ballots. These are people who are putting their lives and their reputations and their freedom on the line to attest to these things under perjury. So for the media to not cover those things and for them to misrepresent this event that happened this weekend in such an egregious manner is really dangerous.
0: Well, you know, it's one of the things that we were actually talking about last week with John Solomon and some of our some of our other guests is that you had just in the state of Michigan alone, you had another number of people who came out who signed sworn affidavits, not alleging to like one instance of fraud or another instance of fraud, but talking about widespread fraud. Now, uh, the critics of the Trump campaign or, or of that narrative might say, Well, that's not enough evidence, but you certainly clearly now have a lot of evidence of widespread fraud. As you said, these are lots of people coming forward, signing affidavits, willing to put their name, their reputation, their livelihood, and as you indicated, like willing to do this under penalty of perjury, putting their freedom at risk saying they saw or were ordered to participate in widespread fraud yeah now turning turning to another subject is you know the media has really i think given joe biden and his family a big pass on a lot of issues especially when it comes to hunter biden's activities while the vice president while Vice President Biden was in office. We've talked about Ukraine. We've talked about what happened in China. What do you make of the media's lack of willingness to cover these issues regarding Hunter Biden?
2: I think that the media probably had a plan uh, that you know, and we've seen this in mainstream media all along. They are incredibly soft on their allies. We saw this during Obama's administration. You know, the the questions that they would ask him were, you know, what's your favorite flavor icing on a cupcake? Um, obviously, I'm being histrionic, but they're. There didn't seem to be a presence of media within the Obama administration or within the Biden campaign or the Clinton campaign where they were willing to ask serious questions. And I think that what has occurred since the election is basically what they intended to occur, which is that we're going to get our guy in there, Joe Biden, and then the investigations into the, what they call the laptop from hell are just going to go away. And I think that Biden, you know, we we all thought it was a Freudian slip, but when he said, I don't need to campaign, I don't need your vote, maybe he really didn't.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the the things I think so many of our viewers are concerned about is the fact that they feel like there is this big tech censorship. They don't feel like they're getting a fair hearing in the mainstream media. You've got 70-plus million Americans who went out and voted for the president, and they at least want there to be a sense that there is a fair hearing out there. When you were out on the ground, what were people telling you about where they're getting their news from and where they're going for information now?
2: I would say on the ground on Saturday, I probably didn't talk to a single person who is a consumer of mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad because Eric you and I grew up in a time when, you know, you you could watch CNN, you could watch CBS and you could maybe not not necessarily count on their opinion being true, but you could you could definitely parse out the journalists from the pundits.
0: You could um, count on the facts.
2: Yeah, the the facts and and this was another thing that Obama said in an interview recently. He said we're operating on two different sets of facts. Well, yeah, one, one is facts and one is manipulated facts, but we're also operating on, from a different set of values. Yeah. And you're seeing that from leftist media and, and circling back to the people on the ground on Saturday, a lot of them are consumers of just the news, of our network. Yeah. In any of these alternative uh, platforms for information, and it's not because they just, they, you know, la la la, that's not the reason. It's that they are naturally curious people And for a lot of my friends, even in LA, don't tell anybody, who who voted for President Trump this time around, didn't vote for him in 2016 and they kind of had a you know a come to Jesus moment with themselves because they were also shocked that Hillary didn't win in 2016 mm. and they they became naturally curious and they started seeking out other forms of media and other voices in the media And so what you have now is you have a group you have two different groups of people in the country a group I was talking about this with Frank Gaffney earlier mm. you have a group of people in America who are naturally and pathologically incurious
0: That's it for actionable intelligence for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and be back with us tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern.